Hey, Action Alerts Plus members, Chris Versace here. And on this week's podcast, I'm happy to share a conversation with Mike Jenkins, CEO of Orion Energy, ticker symbol OESX, and Kathleen Connors, the head of the EV charging business, Voltrek, that Orion acquired in October of last year. As we tend to do on these behind the scenes, put you in the no conversations, we dig deep into both businesses with Mike really explaining the drivers behind Orion's core light-emitting diode installation business, while Kathleen really explains the opportunities in the EV charging space, the timetable associated with that, both from a public funding as well as private funding perspective. Uh, the insights, I think, are very, very illuminating, no pun intended, but I think that we'll all have a much better understanding of the larger opportunities tied not only with Orion's core business, but the EV charging one as well. And if you listen carefully, Kathleen will even tell you which EV, in her opinion, offers the best combustion engine driving experience. Now, sit back, soak it in, and listen to my conversation with Mike Jenkins, CEO of Orion Energy, and Kathleen Connors, the head of their EV charging business, Voltrek. Well, I'm very excited to be talking with the folks over at Orion Energy. I actually knew this company a long time ago, back when I was co-managing the streets, stocks under 10 portfolio. We had a very good run with it. But what I'm excited about is to not only get an update on the core business that really deals with LEDs inside of um, commercial space, re retailers, or sorry, retail environments and industrial applications, but towards the end of 2022, the company made an acquisition that I thought was pretty smart, uh, and I'm actually very excited to talk with Kathleen Connors uh, about that business. But before we get there, let's spend a minute with Mike Jenkins, CEO of Orion, ticker symbol OESX. Mike, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Chris, it's great to be with you. Thanks for the so, invitation. Oh, happy to do it. I, I love having these conversations because I, I'm always amazed at how much I, I walk away with and the listeners do as well. So, uh, Mike, before we talk about the Voltrek acquisition, again, that leapfrogged you guys into the EV charging space, again, something you did several months ago. Um, very exciting, in my opinion, a lot of tailwinds, particularly with what's coming out of Washington and the overall adoption of EVs. Talk to me about the the core business to the extent that you can. Um, when I knew you, knew the company uh, several years ago, the strategy here was really the transition from uh, traditional lighting to LED lighting, um, really picking up and delivering energy savings and improved total cost of uh, the lighting environment, I guess is the right way to say it, if I remember sure. it. How, what, how, what are you seeing in that business today? Yeah, well, thanks. Um, Maybe just quickly a, a little bit on the company since you know us from your past. You know, we were started. We started in 1996 uh, by an entrepreneur who saw an opportunity to um, change lighting from high pressure systems to fluorescent, which generated about a 50% energy reduction in going into commercial and industrial applications and retrofitting lighting. And then most recently, the generational shift in technology was then from fluorescent to LED, which also gives about a 50 to 60% energy savings, depending on the, the sensors and controls you, you marry with that. So that really was the start of our business, and we've stayed true to that within the lighting area. One of the, one of the things that's unique about us is we do manufacture most of our interior product in the U.S. with foreign and sourced components. 
And that really has been a great strength of ours over the last couple of years, especially during the supply chain crisis. So where a lot of our competitors who source finished goods from Asia and other parts of the world saw lead times that went, it got extremely protracted out to 16 weeks. We were able to stay at two to three weeks uh, to our customer base because we're able to use common components and then customize them at the last possible moment in our flexible manufacturing facility. Now, now so, I, I know, now Mike, let me ask you a question because I, I know having covered the LED industry probably 15, 16 years ago, um, there was uh, flux for bucks was kind of a term back then, right? Greater brightness would drive greater LED prices, but we also know the industry has matured, price points have come down to foster this adoption in general illumination, right? You know, I can walk into Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever and buy some LED light bulbs now. And in fact, I, I have them around my house, right? They're great. Sure, in fact, sure. these lights above me, you can't see this, but uh, I, I don't want to give too much too much TMI away, but um, I can actually change the colors in my office. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, okay. anyway, so I know that we, we've seen LEDs really come down the cost curve. Is that still happening? And is that still kind of a margin sweetener for you guys? Well, I, I think the technology certainly has advanced. We've seen the technology kind of plateau a little bit in terms of the technological advancements. Um, the cost is stabilized. I mean, at the same time, over the last couple of years, as you know, with the supply chain crisis, we saw a lot of inflation. So it actually was going the, the other way. Um, but I think right now it's a, it's a great value. I mean, paybacks are extremely strong to our customers. And as you referenced, I mean, a lot of this was driven historically by the financials, by the payback of energy savings. What we're seeing right now is that certainly remains a very good value proposition for our customers, but equally as important, particularly with large uh, public companies or sophisticated companies, it's really the ESG and carbon reduction initiatives, which are driving a huge amount of demand uh, for us moving forward. And you just said that they're they're about equal. Is that right? Yeah, I would say they're they're equally split at this time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, the great the great thing is you get them both. <laughs> so regardless <laughs> well, of which regardless of which what is motivating you more, you get them both. I, I I would have said it. Nothing wrong with multiple tailwinds driving your business. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. One one last question on this because you you just piqued my interest. You said that the LEDs kind of plateaued from a technology perspective. Are there any other technologies out there that you guys might be looking to move to next? Uh, there's been a lot of chatter long-term about uh, the next iteration of organic light-emitting diodes or OLEDs. Yeah, there's a lot going on on the R&D front. Right now, we're not, you know, we're still in the exploration uh, kind of area right now for LEDs, but we're very comfortable with the LED technology that it's offering a great payback to our customers. We have gotten into indoor air quality a bit with some new products. Uh, we have one called Pure Motion, which circulates air uh, in a troffer style fixture, along with it has a UVC uh, kill chamber in it, which is not exposed to, to humans in any way, but that actually will deactivate COVID. And we have a customer, a DO, uh, Department of Defense, area right now, which is looking at that for, for mold mitigation uh, and other things. So we're, we're excited about that as well. So, so I, I guess the, the point that I, I want to clarify here is as exciting as an opportunity 
that the EV charging businesses that we'll talk with Kathleen in a, mo- in a couple seconds here, there's a lot of opportunity still in the, the legacy or core, at least still today, uh, LED business that you guys have. Absolutely, Chris. We've done, you know, we've done 20,000 projects since our inception. And the thing about the lighting business, even generation one LED, the today's generation, like all technologies, it moves and in steps. And so today's technology is approximately 30% more efficient than generation one. So we're actually going back to some of our early customers, our early adopters on LED and relighting them. So we have this huge percentage of the market which still hasn't adopted LED, plus the early adopters from 13, 14, 15, that range, we're going back right now and relighting them as well because there's benefits there. Excellent, fantastic. All right, Kathleen, you ready for the gauntlet? I am. Okay, Thanks great. Thanks for having me, Chris. Oh, happy to do it. Like I said, I, I, th- I think this was a, a very exciting opportunity. And I'm going to ask a, a question of both of you kind of as a transition, right? So, so Mike, um, when you were looking at Voltrek or looking at the EV charging space, I, I, I sit there and I think about the, the overall need for EV charging, right? Just as the number of EVs continues to grow. And I think about some of the relationships that you have, either in the commercial or retail space, where we know that um, folks are looking to port customers. And one of the ways to do that is to put EV charging in. Uh, are those some of the reasons why you guys were looking at this opportunity? And are there others? Yeah, great question, Chris. So going back to what we just talked about, the heritage of the company being a, a project retrofit company where we did 20,000 projects and we've done work with over half the Fortune 500 by our estimation. One of the things that was clear was that we didn't have a lot of, um, we weren't doing as good a job in terms of really having a customer for life and following them through their journey with various different types of applications and technologies. The first step on that was we actually bought a a lighting maintenance company called Staylight Lighting. And that gave us another platform to offer our customers to be able to cross sell between our LED retrofit business and our maintenance business. From there, we began looking at additional platforms that we could bring to our customers to foster this cross-selling. Obviously, as we all know right now, with the adoption of EVs and the direction that we're heading because of multiple um, motivations, Uh, The EV space is very interesting, and all businesses are thinking about their electrification strategy, their strategy for their employees, for their guests and customers, and ultimately their fleets. And we had customers who were already coming to us because of our expertise around project management and lighting and then maintenance about EV, asking us questions about that. So it was a natural additional platform for us to consider. And as you said, when we began looking at the individual tailwinds of the industry, even by itself, let alone pairing that and being able to cross sell that with the rest of our customers, we got very excited. Excellent. Excellent. All right, Kathleen. So now I want the other side of that equation. Um, You were at Voltrek previously, right? And you came in to Orion, I believe, as a president of of the group heading it up. What, What attracted you to Orion? Well, I got to be honest, Chris, I was not looking um, to be acquired when Orion 
when Orion discovered us. They actually proactively put out a search. Um, they had a, a clever broker that got my attention. I had a five minute discussion and thought that would be it. Um, the space is growing so quickly right now. Um, what impressed me about Orion was really that the business model parallels our business model so nicely with the exception of that they are actually manufacturing the product and we are a value-added reseller of the product, but all of our other um, sources of revenue uh, from selling a product to main, um, installing turnkey services, design and turnkey services of that product, maintenance of that product, they're all in line, right? And all of the types of uh, staff and support that I need to grow out, you know, my business at the time mm -hmm. was already in place with people who have some electrical background because they're they're working in lighting um and that started to pique my interest and get me to rethink um the timing you know this i saw is a as a springboard for us to leapfrog ahead of where we were where we could have gotten organically on our own which i'm you know we were doing very well growing organically but this just dialed things up and gave me a platform from which to launch on a national scale, you know, overnight. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, they, they, they say timing is everything, right? And, and if I line up the, the timing of the transaction that brought you into Orion, and I think about, um, you know, the timing for the Biden infrastructure law, um, the Inflation Reduction Act, it, it almost seemed that this, like, uh, as much as, an, as this is an opportunity for Mike and the Orion team, like the access to capital, the ability to move more quickly and scale, uh, because I, I just see this as a great opportunity, not not for 2023. It is, it'll be a very good one for 2023, but I just see it 2024, 2025, 2026, you know, given these targets that we're seeing out to 2030. I mean, it, it, is it fair to say, and I please, I don't want to put words in your mouth, that like, this this allows you to play at a level of the game that you may not have been able to previously. Bingo, you hit the nail right on the head. That was okay. exactly my motivating factor, right? I'm now in the realm with the bigger players. Excellent, excellent. Yes. Okay, okay. Um, so a couple questions here, and I, I'm just really curious on, on, on your take on this and how it relates to your business. So, um, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that, you know, it, it's very funny to me when we look at some of the, the other EV charging stocks that are out there. They all seem to be closely correlated, excuse me, correlated to Tesla, which is kind of a kind of strange to me because as more EVs are out there from Tesla and others, the growth, so is the greater demand for, you know, charging station services. Um, you know, so by, by the sheer fact that, you know, other people are getting into the marketplace, it benefits this business, yet it's still tied to Tesla, which I think is nuts. That's just kind of, that. That's more of a, a soapbox comment than anything. Um, what side of, of it are you more excited? Are you more excited on the consumer side? And I, I, when I say that, I'm talking about, you know, Mike said uh, companies are looking at all aspects of their business, including their employees, but it's the at-home market, the public charging market, gas stations and that. Or, or are you more excited in the fleet enterprise market where we know companies like PepsiCo, Amazon are electrifying their fleets? And that that's not just not say passenger cars, but that's more um, 
you know, buses, uh, medium duty trucks, heavy duty trucks, the likes of like Packar and uh, Freightliner and these other manufacturers. Is, is there one that's more exciting or are they both very exciting? It's all exciting, Chris. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we we exclude residential work, right? It, unless it's like a, a significant size multi-dwelling unit. So setting that aside, how okay. we look at the different verticals, really um, there's a lot of cross-selling there to customers that need charging for multiple verticals. So for example, we will work with a city, state, municipality that is providing um, fleet charging to their citizens that's public access. They're providing workplace charging to their employees. They're, they need fleet services because they have mandates to convert their fleets. So for us, it's really that workplace, public access, um, and fleet. Those are our three primary verticals that we're excited about. Um, and there's a lot of crossover with the customers in those regards. And certainly, you know, the large national conversions of these companies like Amazon making announcements that they're converting their fleets. I mean, it's just one after the other, right? So now that we have this, um, that I am part of the Orion family, that Voltrex part of an Orion company, we have the ability to go after these rollouts like they have demonstrated, like Orion has already demonstrated the capability of doing this in the lighting side to manage, you know, 2000 store transitions or installations and rolls out roll out across the country. We want to replicate that for EV, right? And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I did not um, strike this deal right now. So, okay. yeah. So, so there's a, no, no, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. The, because um, the only reason I asked that question is I, I find that um, there's a lot of folks that are focused on, on the um, passenger car market. What I, I think there's a as big opportunity in the non-passenger car market, right? Yeah, yeah. So Just to I'm gonna, can I make one comment about that? Because you bring this kind of brings in a point that I think um, like you mentioned about it's sort of all rising tides. Everything kind mm -hmm. of tracks on Tesla, even though you and I know all these businesses have completely different niche spaces. Their business models are not related really whatsoever in some instances. So um, I think that that is probably what I read very often and a lot of analysts putting things out there as well, is that it's clear that um, the general public and even professionals in that space now haven't quite gotten their hands around all of the different business models and what they are, how, how um, a manufacturer such as a charge point or ABB differs from an EVgo or a Blink or, you know, all of those companies are making, they have an entirely different um, business model that's not, they're not a direct comparison. So I think that um, understanding, I think the general public needs to kind of get their hands around that and the, and the people that are analyzing these stocks need to kind of understand that a little bit better. Yeah, maybe two, two points there just to add. Uh, Kathleen's business, because I get this question a, a fair amount from analysts and other people, investors, about the profitability of the EV market overall. And again, just to reiterate, we're not manufacturing equipment. Kat's business is really a turnkey provider. The business was profitable prior to us acquiring it. And, you know, it's our intent, obviously, to maintain that moving forward. And then getting back to the um, the fleet piece that you brought up, Chris, we agree. You know, the DC fast charge and the fleet part is going to be a big part of our future. And that's really where we're going to start taking big steps 
as a country in terms of electrification. Um, one of the big projects Kat just did, which we did a PR release on, was for Boston Public Schools. And they ran a pilot for electrifying their uh, bus fleet. And so we put in a, a DC fast charge infrastructure project for them that we're uh, very proud of. Just got done with that project in the, about a month ago. So, excellent. Um, so, so two two questions that I think a lot of people are, are kind of thinking about when it comes to the EV charging market, right? Because there's been a lot of talk, right? We've seen the White House, you know, try and get behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, release of funds. Um, are those funds actually flowing now, Kathleen? So they are starting to flow. It's just getting started now, actually. So it's rolling down through the states and out through, you know, different channels through transportation departments um, and other agencies. I think you're going to see more of that money start to really um, take place in um, the end of the year. We're going to start to see really that that's uh, those projects start to roll towards the end of the year. So more like 2024, I think, is going to be the really big. Uh, year. This is, it just takes a lot of time for them to actually kind of get all their ducks in a row and roll those programs out, start analyzing applications. And then before it, it takes time, right? If we're putting okay. in a new service for something, sometimes that can take six months to get a project in the ground. So. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to get political, but we are talking about the government. So of course it's going to take twice. It's going to take twice as long as anybody thinks. I but, think that's a bipartisan statement there. But what about what about now, though, you know, we, we talk about fleets and others and obviously companies like Amazon, PepsiCo and and, and the, the growing number of others are not just sitting there waiting right for public funds. There's the private spending as well. Have you seen that continued to grow, uh, you know, 2022, 2023, potentially rising again, 2024, 2025, you know, just not not specific numbers, but but just in terms of the the traject the trajectory of that spend. Yeah, those companies have already made a commitment. They made the commitment before the federal money was announced. Um, they're moving forward with it or without it. That's what we see. I mean, certainly how we've experienced in 13 years, you know, periods where we've had great funding and then um, it dries up and then we wait for the next round of funding. And we see more and more that there's it's continuing to happen, whether there is or there isn't, right? They have mandates internally for sustainability issues to meet right. those goals. And so it's not really, you know, this isn't an ROI-driven kind of investment, right? Um, for the most part. Yeah. So, yeah, so I would definitely, I would say that regardless of that, independent of that, it's happening. Um, and the, and it's, yeah. Just to add to that, you know, I mean, we talk a lot about the, the war for talent and the unemployment rate right now and how difficult it is to attract and retain talent for our businesses. And we've done a lot of things with hybrid work schedules and all of that kind of stuff to accommodate, you know, electrification and access to charging equipment is going to be very important for companies moving forward. And so with or without government funding, businesses are going to need to provide infrastructure on site. And we're already seeing companies, you know, start to walk that journey of what's needed so that they can support and attract and retain their talent. So and there are I, other, I, sorry. No, go ahead, Kathleen. There are other sources of funding, too, besides everybody's hearing about the you know, infrastructure bill and everything coming out of the White House. But there's already been other sources of funding out there that are meaningful. 
that are motivating people, that are enabling these projects. So lots of utility programs have rolled out across the country. They've been in place for years. They're refreshing them. Um, they're, you know, New York power authorities, like we've got, you know, close to billion dollar size projects being put out by, you know, power utilities. So, um, so, so I don't want to put words in your mouth again, but it sounds like that we're, you know, thank you, Malcolm Gladwell. We're, we're, we're approaching that tipping point. We are, I was going to use that phrase. Perfect. Exactly. We are approaching that tipping point. I've been waiting to hit that tipping point for 13 years, always thinking next year would be the year. Well, but it sounds like, well, I mean, next, I mean, it, it, you know, it, if I take what you just said, right, where we've, we have, you know, private, private funding going, the layering on of a lot additional public funding towards the end of this year, it does sound like that tipping point for your business is really 2024. I think the biggest indicator for people on my side of the business that have been sitting here patiently, you know, towing the line and moving forward for all these years, waiting for it, was when they came out with the uh, Ford Lightning and we started to see the buy-in from all the mainstream OEMs making the announcements, right, that they're going to be transitioning their fleets. Um, it was a huge uh, indicator. Oh, they're, and they're spending big money, but it's not just them. I mean, they're all doing it. They're all, all of them. They yeah. all, they've all come through now and, and made the announcements. And Volvo was one of the first ones, right? Yes. They don't make well, anything with a anymore. So to that point, and Chris, you've probably seen the numbers, you know, the estimate is that by 2030, which is seven years away, half of the new vehicle fleet will be EVs. And by 2040, 80%. Yeah, I saw that, but I also saw, and I'm blanking on it. There was another, uh, the EPA came out. I think earlier this week with some other yeah. forecasts that you know blow past that uh, 50 percent by 2030. Now we we've got to see. I think the national U.S. National Highway Safety Group, whatever their fo formal name is, they're supposed to have something similar out in the next couple of weeks. I I I, I suspect that the EPA's numbers could get dialed back a little bit. I mean that 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 is an aggressive number. Uh, but you know what? If it doesn't, I mean it it's that's it's that much more gas. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, power for your business. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the, I, I, you know, as we move to EVs, we're, we're going to have to transition all our sayings too, I guess. Um, yeah. So you know, just a couple other questions. Um, I know that we've heard from others out there that the quoting activity is growing. Is is that a fair statement? And and the other thing I want to understand from your, with regard to your business, Kathleen, what, what, what is the time from, you know, hey, we're negotiating with so-and-so, we say, yes, okay, we're gonna do this project. What's the rollout timetable like on average? Well, it really runs the gamut, but I would say on average, it's probably four or five months. Okay. I mean, and we, we have some that we do very quickly, but other ones that can take a year to work on. I mean, we're generally applying for some sort of, um, funding rebates for at a state level or you know and those things take time you have to kind of design everything apply for the grants get you have to have them in place they're not sort of rebates after the fact you have to have that all in place before you move forward so it takes time um to get that all set up but um you know we it's we're just hitting new records every day we can't keep up with the number of requests that we get frankly <laughs> um, we don't do any outs uh, out like outbound marketing we can't keep up with what's coming at us so is it's that a good problem to have 
so is that is that a design capability that where you're kind of getting bottlenecked? Is it workers to actually do the implementation? We're hiring like crazy right now. Okay, <laughs> so, yeah, all right, all right. We're all doubling right. our staff at the moment, and uh, you know, probably be not that long before we do that again. All right. Well, um, I can't. I I can't like get. I can't move past this with with just with just a question. Are are you able to find the people you need? Are you guys seeing some wage inflation or wage pressure to attract them? Definitely some wage pressure. I feel like um, in the last few months, maybe that's come off a little bit. It kind of seemed to hit a, a real peak. I don't know if you saw that, Chris, uh, out there as well, but it seemed like it, it got like a little bit out of control maybe around the summer. People yeah. were asking some crazy numbers. And now you've seen, you know, some of the tech companies have had some layoffs. I don't, you know, oh. some, some, you know, change in the economy a little bit, people a little less confident maybe. So uh, it's, been a little bit easier to obtain some talent. So, and there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of consolidations and changes happening in this space. And yeah. people might be with a company that got acquired, they might not be happy with the new mm -hmm. regime. And so people are kind of moving around. So, this is okay. a very exciting space, though, very dynamic. And so, employees, we, we find it, uh, anyways, that a lot of people want to be in the EV space. So, there's a, a gravitational pull so to speak, for the EV market right now, which is helping us get great talent. So we're not going to ask if your HR department's getting a lot of requests to move business segments, but, um, you know, anyway, anyway, I like to joke, you guys know that. Um, so one other thing I noticed in the in the presentation, because I, and I thought, Mike, you know, kudos to you and your team. I thought you did a very good job laying things out um, in the deck that talked about the acquisition of Voltrek. Um, but I noticed in there that you have a preferred partner right, in ChargePoint. And I was just wondering, without without getting too much into it, could you just describe the nature of the relationship there? Yeah, so um, when I founded the company 13 years ago, they um, had, had been in business for a couple years ahead of me, Silicon Valley company, GE mm -hmm. was in the space at the time, and I really thought, oh, I don't know who these Silicon Valley people are, you know, GE, Eaton, all those Mm -hmm. usual suspects in the space are gonna you know wash them out and and that's i was completely dead wrong and you know and ge ended up kind of closing down that segment of their business and chargepoint became the dominant um market shareholder and they just they had clearly had a giant first mover advantage but also a different vision i think than the other companies had these older companies looking at it more from a you know a hardware only standpoint uh -huh, uh -huh. came at it from the complete opposite silicon valley software you right. know um, vision and i don't think it was obvious to a lot of people it wasn't obvious to me frankly at the time i didn't think that that was going to be a whole lot of value um, and then as things sort of evolve you started to realize where that's important um and all the latest technology that we have now people are talking excited about v to g right all kinds of load management there's you know uh, you know 101 reasons why you you need or you want to have you know smart chargers and so and they put a lot into the design of their product they won some awards for aesthetics they have some really strong leadership that's been there for a long period of time um you know and i think that as many there's so many other products we and we're agnostic we've worked with a lot of other manufacturers 
Um, you know, we wrap ABB, which makes a great fast charger product as well. Um, but you see now, of course, everybody's popping up overnight, a lot of white labeling going on, sure. a lot of Chinese products coming in and people slapping a label on them, people starting, you know, uh, software companies for EV charging overnight, but nobody's really put a product together that looks and functions as nicely as ChargePoint yet. So okay. I think that's one of the reasons why they're still there. And, and I do think that, you know, people need to understand that they're a manufacturer, that when the charge point station is there, it's not because they're the owner operator, right? right? And I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes in the comparison between them. I see a lot of times um, people comparing them to other stocks in the space, but they're a completely different animal, right. um, you yeah. know. So, so Mike, I think you wanted to say something. No, I was just going to say, you know, one of the things that Kat explained early on, we had the great, as part of the due diligence process uh, for Voltrek, we went out and, and met with ChargePoint and have now met with them a couple of times. And it's very clear that all the work that they put in from a software standpoint um, has technical benefits, but it really has a different user experience than a lot of the other systems that are out there. So they're a great partner of ours, and we you know, look forward to growing with them. We think they've got a great system. Excellent. And, and to, just to be, just really understand, is it, um, Kathleen, that you guys have a project, you pull ChargePoint in, or do they say, hey, we have a project, we want to pull you in, or does it happen both ways? It can happen both ways, but for the most part, we drive our projects and we bring them in as the pro as the products. Or at this point, we also have so many customers that once they are on a system, they generally tend to stick with it. So if they're already using ChargePoint and they're expanding, right, they're going to stay with with that manufacturer. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a partnership, so. Okay, no, no, that that's uh, thank thank you for for clarifying that. And one other thing. Um, you know, I, I, I look around the U.S. and I see Exxon Mobil, BP, um, you know, uh, Chevron, and a host of other legacy gas stations. Yes. And I and I and I see what Shell did with uh, I think EVGo, if I remember the name correctly. Um, Green lots. No, I'm sorry. I think Green Lots, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so they're clearly thinking about something. Do you see? Because this this is going to replace their business. Um, you know, the, we know that large corporations can move slowly, but they do plot multi years ahead. Do you see, or do you envision, I should say, other companies like Shell, Exxon, BP, eventually moving into the space, kind of replacing gas pumps with charging stations? Well, I think that they see that the moving train is coming at them, right? And they need to mitigate their risk there and diversify. So, um, you know, there's, I think they're smart to do that. And that, I would say that that was, besides the OEMs, you know, the Fords and making those announcements to convert, the when the petrol companies started to acquire the EV companies, that was the second peg in the hole that told us, you know, this is happening now. This is the tipping point. So yeah, I think you're going to see more of that. Um, they already own, it depends on um, their structure, but they probably already own the real estate or they have um, franchisees that have that, right? So yes. 
Okay. All right. Cool. Um, you guys have been so gracious with your time. I, I really thank both of you, uh, Mike and Kathleen. But before we go, um, I'm going to give you each a shot at this. Mike, anything we didn't talk about that we should have? Well, the only thing I would re reiterate, especially for people who've known Orion for a while, is that the business is is now more diverse than it's been in the past. We've moved on from just purely a lighting business to, while that's a core strength of ours, and as you said earlier, Chris, we're very bullish on that. There's a lot of uh, roadway ahead of us um, on that. But in addition to, we now have a maintenance business that we're cross-selling with our lighting business for, for clients and customers, particularly our retail large box customers. And then now with Cat's business, um, Voltrack in the fold, we have three nice platforms that are basically all selling to the same kind of general group of commercial and industrial and government, uh, federal or local customer uh, clients that we can now begin to cross sell and bring really a, a nice bundle uh, to our clients. So we're happy about that. Excellent. And I should have went ladies before gentlemen, but I apologize, Kathleen. <laughs> but we're, all, we're all modern here. It's okay, Chris. All yeah. right. All right. All right. So, so same, same question, but before we get out of here, is there any, anything we did or did not talk about that we should um, as it relates to the EV business, EV charging right. business? So I'd say two things. I think one, I'd just like to explain why would someone come to us? Why would a customer come to us rather than just going direct to a charge point or a manufacturer, okay. right? And so there's a lot that goes into a rollout, even if it's just one installation or if it's for a transportation department like we do for MassDOT and we're looking at projects all across the state. There's a lot go that goes into that um, design calculations for what they need for now and in the future, um, all of the grants that are available, applying for all of that, making sure they meet all the standards for that. Then after post, you know, managing all the construction, then closing everything out, helping them put all their requisitions and paperwork and submittals in to get that funding. So, and then afterwards they want to know who are they going to call when something breaks right? or when you have an issue, right? So we're the one stop easy button basically for all of that. And we, relieve them of the headache going forward because then they don't want to have to think about who they're going to call for operations and maintenance issues. And okay. we offer, you know, so I think that, I think that that probably needs to be said just so people understand like, what is our value proposition? Sure. To sure. Um, and then the second thing I'll say is um, if you haven't driven an EV, then you should go take one for a test drive. Hertz. Um, Hertz. Yeah. Go to Hertz. Exactly. Um, when I went down to our Jacksonville office last month, I was able to rent a Tesla, um, a Tesla three, and it was fabulous. So did you? So let me uh, having uh, having done this, just just a quick question. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't realize initially that you have to continue to press the pedal, because if you don't, you don't <laughs> go anywhere. <laughs> That's generally how it works. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, but, but but like with a combustion engine, you know, you 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 push it down, you can take your foot off, you can coast up to the stop sign or the light. 
Okay, I will tell you the one EV where you will have that experience. And I have to say, uh, this was one of the best jobs I ever had to do. We put some stations in, the first high power 350 KW chargers in upstate New York for New York Power Authority. And the only vehicle on the road that can actually accept that level of charge, not to get technical, but not every car can, you know, the, the mm -hmm. car determines what it can accept, right? So was the Porsche Taycan and it was brand new, right? One percent. So this is Mike. This is a one percent problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, if you want they, what they did with that car is they made it operate more like a like a combustion engine Porsche. They didn't want to feel that when you let off the gas. They didn't want it to, you know, to start the regenerative braking and slow you down. So when you take your foot off the gas in that thing, you can coast a mile. So if you don't hit the brakes, you're going to kill yourself going off the exit. Um, I'm going to remind, in, in all good fun and ribbing, Kathleen, I'm going to remind you we're talking about EVs, not gas. You mean the pedal. The pedal. Bad habit, bad habit. That's I, I, hey, hey, I, you caught me earlier when I made some gas reference, so it's all good. Um, well, hey, listen, thank you guys so much for joining me today. I'm, I'm going to, I think this is going to be a very, uh, you know, we, we talked about it. There's a lot of powerful tailwinds. And, and I, I would hope that, you know, in a, in a couple quarters, as things start to gel and that 2024 timeline that you referenced, Kathleen, really starts to kick in, that you guys will come back and we can kind of revisit the story then. Sounds to. great, Chris. We'd love to. Thanks. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys. And we'll be back with another podcast next week.